we're grateful for each of you. We're going in our Bibles today to the book of John, chapter number 3, and also the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 37. From El Paso, Texas, to Boulder, Colorado. From Rhode Island to New Mexico, and all the way up to Wisconsin. The news articles are reporting the same thing. In fact, I stumbled on it, onto an article about it, and it piqued my curiosity. So I started to Google and search and see if it was just a regional or a local phenomenon or, or if it was happening in other places. And I discovered reports from across America where they are saying the same thing. You can Google it for yourself. Don't do it right now. But after service, you can, you can fact check me and, 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 and see it for yourself. The news reports are saying that across America, it's been an unusually windy spring. The wind is blowing. Interestingly, one article I read featured an interview with a meteorologist where he was asked about why it's been so windy. They said, fascinating to me, he said, there isn't a single clear cause for the increased winds this spring. Notice this now, as wind is one of the trickier weather elements to model and to forecast. In other words, with all the advancements in technology, with all the knowledge that we've gained as it relates to weather in the field and the study of weather, John chapter number 3 verse 8 still holds true. Where Jesus looks at Nicodemus and he says, The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And so as I read those news articles and began to think about the wind, Jesus' words to Nicodemus, my mind goes all the way back to the Old Testament where I will begin our time together today in Ezekiel chapter number 37, beginning at the first verse. You can follow along in the screen. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, the words of Ezekiel here, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me in the midst of a valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said to me, prophesy upon these bones and say to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to the bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone upon bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews of the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them from above. But notice this now. But there was no breath in them. Then said he to me, Prophesy to the wind. Come. 
Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, verse 10, as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet an exceeding great army. And notice now verse 14, the last verse I will read. And shall, this is the Lord speaking here, put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I shall place you in your own land, and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken to and performed it, says the Lord. And from these two texts, and from the story that I read to you today, I want to preach to you this afternoon on this thought, where does the wind blow? Where does the wind blow? One more time before you're seated, would you just lift up your hands to heaven and ask God to speak to us through His Word. God, give us ears that can hear. Give us eyes that can see with clarity and with revelation what you would say to your church today. God, I pray that you would, before we leave here, that we would just feel that wind of heaven just settle in this place and begin to touch things that are dead and that there would be life and that it would touch hopes that have died and there would be resurrection in those hopes that it would touch dreams that have withered away and have vanished and it would begin to breathe life into them again today through your spirit and everyone said in Jesus name amen God bless you you can be seated as I remain standing so feel sorry for me. I said it already today, but today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost, of course, comes from a word that means 50. It was 50 days after Easter. Historically, the day of Pentecost has significance because it is the birthday of the church. You can find the account, the birth of the church in the book of Acts, chapter number 2, when the writer declares in the first verse, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in, in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. There it is again, the wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting in. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or the ability. In this moment, the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church, this history and eternity-altering moment, there in that place there was the sound of wind. This force of nature, the wind, that, that they could not, and, and even as the meteorologists had to admit in the article that I read, that we cannot even fully understand, it carried with it the supernatural experience that marked the birth of the church where they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues. The wind. Look over at your neighbor and say, the wind. Amazingly, the word for wind and spirit are the same. In the Old Testament, the word was ruach, a wind, a breath, a violent exhaustion, or 
a blast of breath. And that word, ruach, was first found at the very beginning of the book of Genesis, the second verse, in fact, when the Bible declares that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The wind, the Spirit of God, the Bible says, was moving even in the chaos and in the void. Before new life would ever spring forth, the Spirit and the wind began to blow, ushering in that season of creativity where God would from nothing create everything. The wind was blowing. Then in the New Testament, the word for wind or spirit is a word called pneuma. It means a current of air or a blast of breath or a strong breeze. And so these two words, spirit and wind, are intertwined together, sharing the same Hebrew and Greek words. But more than that, and it is significant that we understand and grasp this, that more than sharing the same words, they share the same characteristics. So what is true of wind is true of the Spirit. You see, the wind is unseen. You cannot see it, and so it is with the Spirit. You can't see it with your mind's eye. The wind, it can be felt. You can step outside, and you can feel the breeze pass you by, and so it is with the Spirit. It is a force like the wind that impacts and moves the things that it comes in contact with. You cannot come in contact with the wind and not be able to tell that it was blowing. And so it is with the Spirit. You cannot have the Spirit move in your life and not be able to tell a difference. It will make a difference in your life. You see, we cannot fully understand the wind. The meteorologists even have to admit it, that, that there's things about it that they cannot fully comprehend or understand. It, but it is going to blow, whether you understand it or not. Whether you can describe how it works or not, the wind will just keep blowing. And you just have to be where it is blowing and you can experience it for yourself. And so it is with the Spirit. You may not understand the Spirit. You may say you've got a lot of questions about how the Spirit works. What does this mean about the Spirit? What are the gifts of the Spirit? There's a lot of questions that we can ask, but can I just tell you today quite simply that regardless of what you understand or don't understand about the Spirit, the Spirit is still able to move and work in your life. That what the wind does, the Bible says over and over again, the Spirit does. God says the wind, it just blows where it wishes. It, it does what it wants to do that nobody can stop it or hinder it or slow it down. And, and so it is with the Spirit. And that is good news for you and I in 2022 because nothing can stop the wind of the Spirit from moving in your life. That, there, that your past, it can't stop the Spirit of God from moving for you. That, 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 that your enemy can't stop God's Spirit from moving for you. That, that there is nothing that can keep God from doing what He desires to do in your life when you just get in a place where the wind is blowing. The wind just keeps on blowing. You can build structures, but it's not going to stop the wind from blowing. You can do a lot of things, but it's not going to stop the Spirit from moving in our lives. 
And so the Bible tells us that Jesus in Acts 2, uh, or in Acts 1 rather, when, when he tells them of this thing that is going to happen, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to wait there until you receive power. And you can read it for yourself in Acts 1 when he says that John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with that spirit, with that pneuma, with that wind. And when you receive it, he says, you will receive power after that the spirit has come upon you. He said, you've just got to get where the wind is blowing. The Bible says that they gathered there, and as I read it to you just a moment ago, that it filled all the house where they were sitting. They weren't even standing when the Holy Ghost fell. Because with God's Spirit, with the wind, posture doesn't really matter as much as position. How you are doesn't matter as much as where you are. You've just got to be where the wind is blowing. I don't know about you, but I want to be where the wind is blowing. If God's Spirit is power and if God's Spirit is able to touch and move and change lives the way that, that, that the Word of God says it is, that's where I want to be. I want to find out. So I ask that question today, where does the wind blow? In our text in Ezekiel chapter number 37, the Bible says that the hand of the Lord brought Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. One of my favorite stories in all the scripture. He said there were very many in that open valley, and, and we aren't given any background as to the valley itself or to the bones. We aren't told how many bones were scattered in the valley. We're just told that they were very many and that they were very dry. You see, in this place, this valley of dry bones, all that was left was the remains of loss and tragedy. In fact, the Bible would later say, through God's own words as He's speaking to Ezekiel, that these were the slain. These were people who had suffered at the hands of an enemy and had died as a result of that. These men were forgotten and neglected remains who were not even buried appropriately. They were just left in the valley. They were scattered and they were broken. So God says to the prophet, can these bones live? And there's so much about this story that is worth preaching and that I'd love to share with you. But God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. And he says, hear the word of the Lord. And he begins to declare God's word over this valley of dry bones. And when the bones heard the word of God, there was nothing that they could do except obey what God's word had said. And when they began to obey, something supernatural, something powerful began to happen. As the Bible says, bone came to bone and sinew to sinew as suddenly the things that were had been a long time scattered apart were brought back together and things that were broken were mended and order began to take the place of chaos. And the next thing you know, what was the remain of the slain started to look like something that was normal and together. Why? Because they obeyed the word of the Lord. And I've got to tell you today, that when you begin to hear and obey the word of the Lord, things in your life that were disjointed and discombobulated will start to find their proper place together. 
When somebody begins to look at the Word of God and they say, I want to know what God's Word says to me. I want to know what the Word of God says I should do. I want to know how the Word of God says I should live. When that person begins to hear the Word of the Lord, I've seen it time and time again. Their families that were a mess, suddenly things begin to get in its proper place. And, and situations that were all messed up suddenly begin to find their way together. Things fit better when we obey the Word of God. Your finances will be better if you obey the Word of God. Our marriages are better when we obey the Word of God. Don't nudge your neighbor if they're your spouse. Huh? Our emotions are better when we obey the Word of God. It is a truth of Scripture that our lives improve dramatically when we do what God says to do. Obedience. This is an important point that we must all embrace in our lives. Obedience to God's Word is the only thing that puts the pieces of our lives back together. You cannot get it any other way than through obedience. Then looking at the Word of God and says, whatever God's Word says to me, that's what I will do. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm willing to obey it. You can, you can get so far getting in a good church service, but, it, but you're only going to advance so far as your obedience is willing to carry you. But when you say, I will hear the Word of God and I will do it, then it doesn't matter how far away that bone is from this bone, it is going to come together. And it doesn't matter how far apart your marriage is or your job situation is or, or your your, your troubled family situation is when you begin to obey the word of God those things that are broken and separated they are forced to obey the word of God and come together here's what I know that it is possible that we would have more put together lives with the pieces together better and still have never experienced the wind that brings life. To look at them, you would say at this point of the story, before he prophesies to the wind, that their lives had been radically improved from where they were before. There's no doubt about it that there were benefits to simply obeying the Word of God despite the fact that they had never felt the wind in their lives. It's possible that our lives would be enriched or bettered and yet we have not experienced the wind that brings life, abundant life. So God says to the prophet, prophesy to the wind. And the Bible says that suddenly breath came into these men who were put back together, whose lives looked a whole lot better, who seemed to be that they were in a much better position. And suddenly when breath entered their body, they stood up on their feet and their posture began to change. And then God says in verse number 14, this is what it's all about. I want you to catch what I'm trying to show you, Ezekiel. He says, I'm going to put my spirit in you and you are going to have life. You shall live. Hear me now. This is what I know. The bones came together. 
and skin covered the bones. It looked so much better. They had already had a supernatural work of God, and yet they had done all of those things without new life. And I tell you, it is possible that we would pursue the Word of God in the flesh. It's possible that our lives would be better because of listening to the Word of God, and yet we have not experienced the wind, and we are doing it in the flesh. And God said to Ezekiel, it's not my will that your life simply get a little better. It's not my will that, that, that things that were chaos would suddenly be ordered, but I have come that you might have life and that you would have abundant life. And I preach to you today and I tell you that there is a place where the wind blows and your life isn't just going to be improved. Your life is going to be transformed by the power of the Spirit of God. Without new life, it matters little that things are in their proper place and that things look together. We need the wind to blow. But here is a truth. Not everyone wants to be transformed. Plenty of people, if we were to be honest with ourselves, perhaps even you and I from time to time, we have approached God wanting to be improved but not wanting to be transformed. We want Him to make our job situation better, but we don't want Him to change the desires of our heart. We want Him to improve our marriages, but we don't want to have our lives radically transformed. And if we are not careful, we will, set, we will settle halfway to new life. We will settle with a better life, sure, but not the life that God has for us. We can settle never experiencing the place where the wind blows. But God's completed work in your life and in my life is a transformational work that changes who we are. It is new life. Hear me. Programs can rearrange us. Programs can put the pieces in the right spot. Religion can put you together and make you look real good, make you look like a good Christian, can clean you up and make you look like you never have looked before. But it is only the Spirit of God that will give us life. And if we settle for looking the part and never experiencing the Spirit in our lives, then we will have missed the greatest opportunity. We can be put together without the wind, but there is no life without the wind. So our desire has got to be, Lord, let me be in that place where the wind is blowing. Let me find the place where the wind blows and everything changes in my life. Where does the wind blow? Because I don't want to just look alive. I want to be alive. I want to be where the wind is blowing. I want to be where everything changes. I want to believe. I want to be in that place where people look at me and they wonder what has happened in my life. Where does the wind blow? Ezekiel, he shows us first that the wind can blow in broken places. Places filled with disappointments and, and setbacks. Places where people look the part but lack life. Broken places. That the wind can blow in places, in valleys where we've suffered loss and defeat. The wind can blow in the valley. 
And so I tell you today that if you're in a place where you feel as though you're surrounded by more setbacks than anything else, where what you are surrounded by seems to be chaos and brokenness and disappointment and defeat, that is a place where the wind blows. And you can begin to get in that place and you say, Lord, I need you to move in my life. Lord, I want the wind to blow in my situation. And suddenly the wind that we can't understand and we can't fully comprehend in our own life and in our own mind, suddenly that thing begins to blow in its own accord and it will begin to change everything that you thought about that valley and it'll take a valley that reminds you of your defeat and it will turn it into a place where you are standing squarely on your feet and you can say I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength I preach to you today that the valley is a place that the wind blows and God can move in your valley But that is not the only place the wind blows. I said it's happening all over. They said it's happening in New Mexico and Wisconsin. So surely the wind can blow in more than in the valley. And yes, yes, you find in the scripture when you look, and I don't have time today to give us an exhausted list perhaps, but the Bible tells us that it's in the book of Exodus that the children of Israel are standing at the Red Sea and there is an army behind them chasing them down with the intent to kill them and the Red Sea is before them it is an impossible obstacle that is the place where the wind can blow in places where you don't know how you're going to make it through in places where it looks like the enemy's going to win in places where you don't know how you're going to overcome and get the victory I tell you that the Bible says the wind began to blow and it began to take that impossible obstacle and it began to turn it into a highway of deliverance can I preach to you for a moment and tell you that God can blow in your impossible situation in the spirit of God can begin to work right where you are. Where does the wind blow? In fact, the answer to the question is found in Jesus' words that I read to you earlier as the music begins to come. Where does the wind blow? Jesus said, the wind blows Wherever it wishes, wherever it wants to blow, the wind can blow. And the enemy can't stop it. And your environment can't stop it. That the situation can look impossible. That it can be, it can seem pretty hopeless. And in that place, suddenly the wind is blowing. Blows wherever it wants. You say, well, well, it can blow in some places, but it cannot blow in Washington, D.C. Have you been in D.C.? Have you seen what's happening on the streets? Have you seen all the, the chaos and the violence in our day? I'm not sure that the wind can blow. I'm not sure that God can move in my situation. I'm not sure that revival can happen here. And yet Jesus said the wind it can blow wherever it wants so you just got to get where the wind is blowing how do I get where the wind is blowing you just got to listen to him and the Bible says that where the wind was blowing they said hey what is it that we need to do what do we got to do to get to this place where the wind is blowing and Peter stood up and he said oh brothers repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Where does 
the wind blow. It blows wherever somebody is standing there saying, God, blow on me. Spirit, move on me. God, forgive me of all of my sins. I want to remove all the obstacles, all the things that, that are keeping me from the wind. You see, the wind's blowing whether you can feel it or not. But in order for you to feel it in your life, you've got to say, Lord, I want you to take all the obstacles away. I want you to forgive me of all the things that are separating me from you. And when you do that and you repent of your sins, suddenly you'll begin to feel that wind blow. I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. Stand with me all over the house. It would be a shame that we would call ourselves a church and this church not be a place where the wind blows. And so we gather here on this Pentecost Sunday and we remove all the obstacles, all the things that want to hinder and stop and shield us from the presence of God and from the move of His Spirit. And we say in this moment, God, let this be a place where the wind blows. Let my life be a place where your wind is moving. Let, let my circumstance be a place where the Spirit of God that transforms and changes everything that it comes in contact with, let it blow right here in my life and in my situation. So I ask you, wherever you are in this place, that you would begin to close your eyes and just lift up your hands. If you would say, Lord, I want the wind to blow right here. I want the wind to blow in my life. You say, man, I don't even have the faith to stand. Well, the Bible says that it, the house was filled where they were sitting. You may not even have the strength to stand on your own faith. But if you can just be in the right place and say, Lord, come by here. Touch me with your presence. God, I, I don't want to leave here the same way I am.